Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to the fourth Sunday in Epiphany. I trust in the next few minutes that you will find joy as we share God's word together. Paul admonished in 1 Corinthians 12, he said he admonished those that preach the word that their assignment was upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So I pray this morning that your faith will be built up. I pray that you will be strengthened so you can do the work that God's given you to do. And I pray that you'll find comfort and solace because everyone here has some sorrows and suffering this week. Well, in the last few weeks, we've been uh, <clears throat> listening to the epistles, and our epistle reading has come from 1 Corinthians. The first Corinthians. The first and second letters uh, to the Corinthians are uh, a little slice of life. They give you an inside view of life in the early church. And they are, in God's providence, 1 and 2 Corinthians, two of three letters that Paul wrote that still survive to us today. The third one is lost. It could be as many as five letters were exchanged between Paul and the Corinthians back and forth uh, during this period. And what they reveal to us is an eager and strong-minded group of Christians who lived in Corinth. They weren't really very different than we are, but they did have trouble staying in step with the Spirit. Well, during Epiphany, we've been emphasizing that you and I are God's hands and feet. We are Jesus' body made plain to the world. And if you grasp the significance of that, you might start to think, well, that's a pretty heavy burden. Lord, I'm not God. How in the world do you expect me to be your hands and feet? Aren't you the one who told me, dust you are, and to dust you shall return? How can I be your hands and feet? Well, I hope this morning I have a word of encouragement for you on that. And that word is this. God's power is released in your weakness. God's power is released in your weakness. What is your weakness this morning? Is it mental? Is it some malady of mind or body? Do you perceive it's your lack of education, your lack of training, or maybe it's just your youth and inexperience? (laughs) Or maybe if you're like me, it's just your old age and infirmity. (laughs) But here's God's word to you and me this morning. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Well, let's take a look at these Corinthian letters, and let's see what God says to them and to us. So take out the Bible there, if you would, and please turn with me to chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. That was page 952, I think. First Corinthians, Chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, to interpret the Corinthian correspondence, 
you need to understand that, first of all, what you're listening to is a slice of an ongoing communication between Paul and the church. You've stepped right in the middle of two parties hashing things out. You probably had that experience at home, right? You come down the stairs and there's a couple of family members kind of going at it back and forth, and you think, what's this about? Paul and the Corinthians were having a pretty lively dialogue. Okay, secondly, because it is a dialogue, sometimes we need to read backwards from what is actually being said to the situation as it really is because we've stepped into the middle of the conversation. And the third thing that you need to understand is Paul was not above using some pretty sarcastic language in hopes that he could call the Corinthians back to the place where they needed to be. So not everything you read in Corinth is intended to be taken as it's written. You need to read it backwards and realize that Paul is talking to them in the reverse. So what do we see there in chapter 1, verses 4 through 7? Well, what we see is the Corinthians were strong and they were spiritually gifted. They had been enriched by God and among them, amongst all of them, they had every spiritual gift. They didn't lack a single gift. Look at verses 4 and following. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. Verse 7, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was the Corinthians' response to these spiritual blessings? Look at verses 10 and following. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Verse 12, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, but I follow Christ. You see, they were proud and they were divided. You would not have been surprised to hear one member turn to another and say, I'm strong and sound in the faith, brother. You ought to get hot in the Christian life. You're kind of lukewarm. And thirdly, the Corinthians believed that their spiritual strength was all about them. It is as they believe it is as if God had given them gifts for their own good. Now turn over to chapter 12, verse 24. Chapter 12, verse 24. Chapter 12, verse 24, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. For you see, if one member suffers, all suffer. And if one member is honored, then all rejoice together. See, Paul knew these things about his Corinthian friends. He knew that they were divided. He knew what they were thinking, and it grieved him to his heart. 
He loved these people. For two whole years, he had worked day and night in Corinth for Christ to be built up in them. And at that moment, what was being built up in them was not the spirit of Christ, but a spirit of strong self-centeredness. What they did not realize was that God's greatest gift to them was their own weakness. And that's precisely why Paul starts this letter the way he does. Turn back to chapter 1. Look with me at chapter 1, beginning at verse 25. This is what he says to them. He says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your own calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring those things that are to nothing. The greatest gift God could give them was their weakness. Well, how about you this morning? Are you cursing God under your breath? That's under your breath, of course, because we all got to keep that nice church face going. Are you cursing God under your breath for the weaknesses that he's given you? Do you believe that if only I could be strong, then God could use me? Then I might have a shot for being his hands and feet. Now, why is God's gift the gift of weakness? Read on, verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God works at least. Or should I dare say it? God works most powerfully in our weaknesses rather than in our strengths. Now, this is not a call for us to say that our spiritual gifts and strengths are not important. They are. They are just that. They are God's good gifts bestowed by the Holy Spirit on us. We should treasure those gifts. We should develop them. We should be using them for the sake of the body. But you see, the ever-present danger with the things that we're good at is pretty soon we're the ones that are doing them. Pretty soon, it's quite easy to think, hmm, 
Aren't you glad you picked a talented guy like me? But our weaknesses remind us of our frail nature. Our weaknesses remind us that it is God who supplies our strengths. And God is the strength even of our strengths. Now, few men in history were more talented than Saul of Tarsus. He was named after a king, Saul. He was trained at the Harvard University of his day. He excelled even beyond the brightest and most talented of his age, and his strengths were amazing. You know what? When he became a Christian, those same strengths, that same dynamism, carried right over into his Christian life. He was assigned to speak to kings, both Gentile and Jew. He preached, think of it, he preached to the very elite of the Roman Empire, including the Caesar himself. But you see, after a while, Paul learned he even had to change his name. He changed it from Saul to Paul. You know what Paul means? Little one, small guy, insignificant, unimportant. And it was in his suffering and in his weakness that he learned the most from Christ. Among the numerous sufferings that Paul experienced was some particularly debilitating weakness. And this is what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians. He writes, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, hardship, insults, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is your weakness this morning? Is it a physical malady? Is it a mental infirmity? Is it a broken and tragic personal history? I plead with you this morning to see that thing, that weakness, as your greatest opportunity to receive the grace of God. Yes, it might bring you humiliation and shame. And yes, it's probably a constant reminder of what you can't do. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, this is the channel through which you will find my strength. This is the place where you will have no choice but to rely upon me. My grace is sufficient. I'll give you the power. I'll make it work perfectly in you, precisely 
because of your weakness. This topic ties in with our emphasis on prayer here at the cathedral. You see, prayer is the moment when we acknowledge how things really are, not how we imagine them to be. Let me share a little story with you, if I may. This is a story of mine. It's not any more special than your stories. In fact, there are so many wonderful stories out here in this congregation, which is why we encourage you all to come to Breakthrough on Wednesday night. Because at Breakthrough, we get to hear these stories about how God is at work in people's lives. You see, God can work powerfully in our weakness. Here's my story. It was just... A simple 15-word prayer. But I promise you, it was a turning point in my life. And it happened not because of some great moment of victory. It happened at a time of tremendous inability and weakness for me. I was a young submarine officer in 1978, and that was right in the middle of the heat of the Cold War. And we'd been up chasing Russians well above the Arctic Circle when our boat developed a noisy rattle. And so you can imagine what that means for the silent surface. There was just no way to fix it apart from coming back to northern Scotland. So there we were, the USS Burgall, SSN-667, a half a billion dollar fighting machine reduced to a giant doorstop in dry dock. And then instead of fixing the problems, it was my guys that were adding to them as they keep breaking more and more stuff. Twice a day, twice a day, a three-star admiral would call up my captain, Reed, what progress are we making up there? We need to get you back on station. We don't know what those Ruskies are doing. Get that ship fixed. And every day, we weren't making progress. We were going backwards. And it was my fault and the guys that worked for me. And I remember standing there one night in the darkness in the dry dock, and there was this freezing cold Scottish rain coming down, and there were six inches of water that were running up over the top of my boots. And I looked up at that great big beach twale there, and I thought... I've never encountered anything like this before. This is a rock I just can't move. All my life had been about success and achievement and being strong and being able. And now, I was just weak. And all I could do is pray, God, I can't do this anymore. This is too big for me to handle. The weakness of that moment was the first time that I began to understand what I couldn't do, God could. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God's power is perfected in our weakness. 
Now, are you lamenting your inadequacies this morning? Here is your banner of hope. God resists the proud, the self-reliant, the humanly capable, but he gives grace to the humble. To pretend your weaknesses are not is a journey to nowhere. But to confess them openly to God is a pilgrimage to the heart of the Father and the grace and power and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.